Hi there. Welcome to episode 35 of The Playground Project with me, your host, Tanya Pomerantz. I am delighted you are spending your time with me, with us, on the playground today. And before we jump into the career chat with my fabulous mystery guest, I invite you to follow me on Instagram at PuddleJumpCoaching001. Let's connect. And a big shout out to at Angela Means Biz on Instagram. Thanks so much, Angela, for being part of the Playground Project. Okay, prepare to be inspired, motivated, and really in awe of this week's mystery guest. I know I am. Please join me in welcoming the amazing Inanna Adam. Welcome, Inanna. I am absolutely delighted to welcome you to the playground today. And of course, you know what I do. I always start with context and a little bit about the person. So Inanna is my mystery guest today. And I met her because I was connected to her by one of our Finn mentors at OCSO. She's in Windsor, and this is her little about section on LinkedIn. So she's a a recent master's graduate student from political science at the University of Windsor, and she's a future PhD candidate. So she's a smart cookie. That's all I'm going to say. She's interested in comparative religion and politics, Middle East politics, international conflict and resolutions, history, and culture. She's also an aspiring filmmaker and film editor. Inanna seeks to advocate for social justice and human rights for to have a better society. So this is Inanna, and I'm completely delighted to welcome you to the playground, my friend. Oh, thank you so much, Tonya, for this nice introduction. Uh, it really made my day, to be honest. I'm mm-hmm. very grateful to be with you tonight, and um, I enjoy uh, listening to your podcast in the last few weeks since I learned about it. I'm so excited to talk to you tonight. So thank you again. Yay, me too, me too. So I know you're you're smart, you're driven, oh. you're ambitious, but let's go back. Let's go right back to growing up. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Iraq, in northern Iraq, specifically in the in little town that is very close to the province of Nineveh, which is uh, one of the oldest provinces or even city Mosul, which is the capital of Nineveh, one of the oldest cities in history or in the world. So I grew up in a very diverse little city that I am very actually proud to be born and raised there. I So I lived in Iraq for um, most of my life until 2008 when my family and I had to escape the country and refuge to uh, their neighboring country, which was Syria. So that's where I grew up in Iraq. So you had to find refuge in Syria. Yes, absolutely. I'm literally getting chills because of the fact <laughs> that afterwards... Syrians 
had to seek refuge in Canada. Which is part of my uh, journey because I moved to Syria in 2008. It was a safe country at the time. Uh, it was a transit country for my family and I. But for some reason, I stayed in Syria for longer than what I expect. I stayed there until 2012 when the war erupted in Syria and I had to escape again. <laughs> to another neighboring country, which was Lebanon, because it was safer, because I had my son in Syria, and I did not want my son to grow up in an environment that I had before in Iraq, because I lived through different wars in Iraq, Gulf, uh, Iranian, Iraqi war, first Gulf war, second Gulf war, other uh, civil war in Iraq after the 2003 war. And then in Syria, the civil war started in 2011. And I just felt like I don't want my son to experience and suffer what I had to experience and suffer. So, and my family was already immigrated to Canada at that time. So I decided to move to escape or move to Lebanon and stayed there for another two years. Then eventually or um, finally I moved to Canada in fall of 2014. So yeah, that's what happened. I feel that my question of, hey, what was high school like <laughs> um, is just not adequate. But in and amongst all of this, mm -hmm. What was it like going to school? So that's an interesting question for me because I never had to experience what high school was like for me. I never went to high school, unfortunately, because um, when the second Gulf War in 2003 hit, I was only 14 years old and it wasn't safe for me to go to school anymore. And it was like there was no future to go to school in Iraq because at that time, students start experiencing kidnapping, bombing, uh, killing, shooting. It wasn't safe for me. So, and I already knew that my family and I would leave the country one day. So there was no, to be honest, hope to continue school, especially that it wasn't safe enough for me, especially as a girl. And I came from a minority group in Iraq. Uh, I am half Assyrian, half Armenian. Assyrians are the indigenous people of Iraq. And um, on top of that, I am Christian. And at that time, with civil war and with the foreigner intervene and, and everything was happening in Iraq was not safe for all Iraqis. But I would say specifically for minority groups and people from different backgrounds and cultural and religious backgrounds. So I never had that experience. I was not able to continue my education. And I just felt that... It was big part, uh, big part of me was missing because I always wanted to do school and, and to, to get to the, to the university level and continue to master and PhD level. And I kind of felt sad that I wasn't able to do that in Iraq. But now here in Canada, I got that opportunity. So I just went for it and, and did it. And I'm still doing it actually. Yeah. It, it, there was more important things than just going to school, being safe, protecting yourself, thinking about other essential things for uh, human survive, survival, because we did not have so many things. Safety, um, social stability was not there, uh, terrorism, uh, lack of food, lack of like we didn't have electricity, uh, we didn't have hot water, we didn't have so food sometimes. It was very unstable time for Iraqis uh, 
from 2003 to 2008 when I escaped the country. It was one of the worst um, time period for all Iraqis, I would say. And still, actually, my people are still suffering in the country, but not as much as it was before. Uh, so, yeah, I never went to high school. <laughs> uh, I'm taking this all in. I usually like to take notes. I've stopped taking notes because this is very intense. My life since 2003 is flashing before me and thinking of all the times, you know, that that I protested this and that and joined, you know, in 2003, I think that was when the the entire world was against the whole American invasion. Yeah, I remember. And yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm just. I guess the British word is gobsmacked, or you know, I'm just flabbergasted. And if I'm flabbergasted, I guarantee you that my listener is probably just as flabbergasted to hear your very honest recount of your life at the time. And my immediate thought goes to all of those other people who didn't get out. Oh, yeah. And then I think about you in Syria, and I just feel like going back in time and giving you a hug, really. I mean, that's oh, thank you. so, oh, my heart is absolutely broken. And uh, in hearing all of this, and I'm, I'm thinking again about what your profile says, your about section on, on LinkedIn, and of course, all of this is in, incredibly important to you. So are, am I to believe then that you came here and you went to high school here? Like you got your equivalency here? No, it's uh, actually, I I think I was lucky here. When I moved here, I had zero English. I knew some English in Iraq. When I lived in Syria, I completely forgot almost everything because in Syria, the country relies heavily on Arabic only language. So there is nothing to use in English like while in Iraq, we use some English in our daily basis language, like some simple words. So when I moved here, I had to go through ESL assessment. I went to language school because I was already older than high school student. I was in my 20s and um, I was supposed to go to, let's say, adult high school, but with zero English, that wasn't an um, option for me. So I went to ESL assessment. They put me in level one ESL English. I had to go every day to school, Monday to Friday, to do listening, speaking, reading, writing. And each semester was like um, three months long. And I remember when I entered grade one in ESL, I saw a student in grade seven, six, seven, eight. It was combined class. And I was like, when I'm going to be in that grade, it's, it's going to be a long journey for me. Each semester is three months long and I'm in grade one. Half of semester has started already. So I'm already late, joined late. But I I had so much, like I was, I've been always a dreamer in my life. Like I always had dreams and goals to accomplish. So I remember from the beginning, I was like, I want to study here. I want to go to college. I want to be a photographer or a journalist. And I remember my teacher, she was surprised when I told her that because I barely spoke any English. I barely wrote any English. So how come I have this dream? Like this is going to take me so many years to accomplish. But within four semesters, I, I was in grade eight. Oh my gosh. Uh, yes, because uh, 
I did not have to wait three months in each class. Sometimes my teachers were just sending me to the upper level or grade because I was doing a lot better than other students. Like my my level was progressing very um, quickly. I should thank my family, specifically my two sisters and my youngest sister who was pushing me so hard, helping me, explaining to me because they moved to Canada before me. She was already studying psychology in, in university. Her English was a lot, almost perfect. So she helped me a lot, teaching me at home. And I was studying extra, doing extra homework. Some of my teachers were helpful. They would give me class homework and on top of that extra homework for me to finish every day. And that's what helped me to progress. And I remember I reached the student when I was in grade one and they were in grade eight. I become their classmates uh, within a year. And I just felt so proud and so happy that I was progressing fast. And then when I finished grade eight, I just felt like there's no more, more grades in this school and I need to go either high school or I just go to apply for college. And if I get accepted, then I will just do it. So I applied to Santa Clare College for two programs. I remember I did journalism and travel and tourism and I got accepted in both which I don't know how, <laughs> with just grade, grade 8, ESL grade 8 in English, because I told them I don't have high school from Iraq. I don't have any paper with me except my certificate from ESL school. And uh, they accepted me, and I actually I wanted to go for journalism, but my family and friends advised me to do travel and tourism. They told me journalism would be too hard for me. As someone who was still here, new to the country, I was just in Canada for a year and a half. And uh, still living with my family, and I'm a single mom. I have to carry to take care of my son who was just kindergarten at that time. So I went with travel and tourism, and I remember it was really challenging for me because, like I said, I didn't go to high school in Iraq, and I didn't do it here either. And I just entered college from an ESL school. And everything was new to me. The assignments were hard in the beginning and I had to present a lot. It was, we had so many presentations because we had to speak about, you know, uh, destinations and tourist attractions and stuff like that to sell destination to people. So mm -hmm. it was a big challenge for me and I just did it. And I honestly get A in all my classes since I started. <laughs> Come on. Even though I wanted to quit, I wanted to quit in the first month because I, wa I was feeling lonely. I had so many friends in ESL school and I was new to this college program and I didn't know anyone and nobody was actually an immigrant in my class. Like even the immigrated ones like or people who weren't born in Canada, they moved here while they were kids. So I was the only one who just moved to Canada a year and a half ago. And then my English was so poor still at that time. And I was so shy to talk to people and I just felt lonely. And then again, my family, my sister were like, you have to do it. You have to do it. Just trust yourself, believe in yourself. Just do your work and you will, within two years, you will be done and you will work and or do something else. And I'm glad that I never quit and I continued and I did my internship as a travel agent and I loved it and I loved this program a lot. But again, when I graduated, 
in 2018, I just felt I don't want to be a travel agent for the rest of my life. My bigger dream is to study in university and continue to graduate level. So I just applied and uh, for um, communication, media and film and political science separately, because at that time I didn't know that I can do a um, combined major or two double major, sorry. So I just went with communication, media, and film because at that time I felt like I want to be a movie director since I was 16 years old. That was my dream. So I, I entered the program. Um, I started it and I liked the program. But again, when I had, you know, we have elective classes and uh, one of my elective class, I had so many classmates from political science department telling me all these, like we had so many conversations about politics, about my life in the Middle East. And they were saying to me, you should do politics, Inanna, you like it a lot. Why are you studying about movies? And I was like, even movies, I'm doing documentaries, like it's like a research for me too. But uh, I was happy that on my first semester, I wrote a letter to university asking to switch to double major and do both of them, like political science and communication studies. And in my second semester, I got accepted and I started doing both. And I finished my undergrad within three years and a half because I never took a break. I studied during summertime. I graduated and then I applied for a master program in poly science because I just felt I want to continue with political science to PhD level and be a professor one day, hopefully, slash researcher. And uh, I just finished my master's this past August and I am accepted into PhD program in political science again. So that's has been my journey in academia so far since 2014. Never stopped. Uh, studying since I moved to Canada. It's exhausting journey for me, but at the same time, I learned a lot. I've changed a lot and I am just happy that I went for studying vers versus just working because I know, unfortunately, many immigrants and refugees, they just have to work, especially when they have families they, they need to support. But I'm, I'm glad I'm, I was lucky enough to have family already here supporting me and my son. And so many resources I used here in Canada. And then I just dedicated most of my time for my studies because that's honestly more important for me for now. And I know in the future, I will secure a, a good job uh, that will support me and my son um, than with just going for doing uh, basic jobs that unfortunately, again, many immigrants are forced to do because of the so many challenges they face once they move here. So, yeah. So I'm, I'm smiling and laughing because mm -hmm. the question is, how have you pivoted in your life and your entire mm -hmm. life has been one giant pivot yeah but i think i pivot a lot more here in canada since i moved i've mm. done so many things that i don't think i i could have done it if i stayed in iraq or in the middle east in general i think being a single mom being independent going for school having uh so much confidence now, doing things by myself, not relying on people. And I think when I entered my undergrad, it's when I really changed the way I used to think 
start becoming different, how I become more open-minded, more acceptance of people from uh, or, or new ideas, being open to religion and cultures and thinking more about humanity and the world and start being more respectful. Not that I wasn't, I've always been respectful to people, but I become more like I think advocating more for social and human justice and fairness, human rights, uh, talking about other parts of the world, not just focusing about on my country or on here in Canada, but talking about even issues that I haven't experienced. For example, I didn't know much about Africa when I lived in Iraq, but once I came here, I started learning about it, started talking about poverty over there, other things. Yeah, I think I've become a different person, a better person. And I think that's also because I met new people in my undergrad. I take different classes, especially the classes that uh, introduced me to world religions and cultures, world politics, start becoming more uh, curious about other people, other nations, how to help other people. I think that's the major pivot that I had to experience in my life, other than just living in during different wars and moving from country to country. Yeah, I think I'm very thankful for the decision I made that to enter university because, yeah, I think I've, that's what made me who I, part of it made me who I am today. I know as a host of a podcast, one shouldn't be silent, but you are leaving me speechless. I mean, what you've accomplished, I'm just, I'm incredulous. Like, I'm like, nothing can stop you. That's how I feel. I feel you are. Thank you. Well, I needed to hear this today. <laughs> so oh. thank you so much. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. No, I mean, I said to my husband the other day, I said, you know, I, there are not enough hours in a day to, for me to do everything that I want to do. And that's mm -hmm. kind of how I feel about you, that I don't think a lifetime is going to be enough for you to be able to do everything you can and mm -hmm. sh should do. Just my opinion, just completely my opinion, but yeah. you have this passion for filmmaking and yes. I think that that's such an important thing to be able to show people or, or uh, promote or highlight, showcase voices that we don't hear or, or that are just, you know, for like a two minute soundbite on the mm -hmm. news. But yes. when talking to you, you, you make everything come alive. And uh, I'm sitting here thinking, there you were growing up in Iraq and you wanted to be, you know, this creative person. So I'm, I'm hearing you wanting to be this creative person. And yet you also spoke about essentially like, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, that self-actualization is at the top, but when you don't even have food stability and everything is so uncertain, you know, how do you reach that point? Yes. Do you have yeah. to move? Do you think you have to immigrate to to reach that point? In my case, yes. And actually, I've been talking about this in my 
in my undergrad and in my um, master uh, courses that when we discuss like international relations and countries and and many people talk, especially the people who never went to that part of the world or don't know much about it and start talking about how we view the world as Canadians and what we have here, what resources, sources we have here and use. And I was the one that always talking, but do you know that some people in some parts of the world don't even have shelter, don't even know if they sleep, they're going to they gonna open their eyes in the next day and survive. Some people, some women are, are suffering from domestic abuse and, and violence and, and some kids don't have families and are, you know, like just like a few weeks ago, the the earthquake and the floods that happened in Morocco and, and, and Libya. And, and then we, we would talk why Libya is suffering from, let's say, civil war or social instability. Well, this is just what happened to them and they don't have, the government has done anything for them, to be honest, because they don't have a stable government to help, uh, sources to help. So we we can't just assume that these people are, when we talk about people, why they are not progressing in certain parts of the world or in cer- certain countries, because they lack of so many things that we have here and we don't even appreciate here. We don't even notice because we have them already. All we had have always had them, you know. You know, like when they question, why would someone who used to be a professor, here is a taxi driver, you know, or why would a professor or a doctor leave their country, like let's say in Iraq or in Syria, or why can't women in Iran go, let's say, in, or in certain part of the world, go wear whatever they want? Well, because they have so many other things like problems to deal with. That's what I, I try to advocate and talk and and. Tell people like you. Sh- you have to put yourself in their, these people's shoe and try to imagine how they lived when they don't have basic human rights or basic human needs. How come you want them to accomplish so many things that th- they don't come into priority when when human safety and basic needs are missing? I I couldn't do what I'm doing here in Canada if I stayed in Iraq. I don't believe so because I couldn't even go to high school. <laughs> now I drive a car, I'm I'm accepted into PhD, I live with my son. That's not even I think a possible it, it's possible but not common in Iraq for a woman to live by herself with her son and to survive and to be in a good social status and, and to be respected and so many other things that are different here in Canada. And and, and I'm really thankful to be here. I'm thankful you're here too. Thank you. And what an amazing role model you are for your son. Oh, thank you. I hope so. I try my best. The message of confidence, the message of keep moving, keep moving. I am speechless, Anana. You have rocked my world. There's so much that is going on, even as we speak right now in all of these countries that you've left. And so many of those people are coming here now and starting. And that's why for me, being able to support newcomers, especially newcomer women, even more than that, you know, visible minority newcomer women is, I use the word incredible a lot. I use incredible, amazing, because Mm -hmm. 
that just says it all, right? Yes. It really is the such uh, an honor. And I'm so grateful, you know, that Maria connected us and oh, that yeah. Me too. when you when you get here, because you will get here, that I'll be able to introduce you to more people. I already have ideas of people just, you know, that, that share kind of the experience of, of growing up in that part of the world and who can relate to you in a way that, that maybe somebody who has grown up in Canada and who's always gotten their Tim Hortons. And yeah, uh, but so I, I have ideas, I have thoughts and, and things. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate knowing. I'm really thankful to know you in my life, to be honest. I cannot thank Maria enough. I even told her the other day, I said, I cannot thank you enough for introducing me to you, Tonya. So so I'm really lucky to know you. Oh, and I, thank I, you for doing that. Thank you for helping newcomers and women specifically to, to find um, jobs and connect them to people who will be valuable for them or, or help them in the future. That's really kind of you to do that. Well, we need you. more people like you here. <laughs> <laughs> but that that is that is uh, you know the same way that you grew up wanting to be a filmmaker and 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 all of that. I grew up wanting to help people and you know mm-hmm. ideally be a psychologist before I realized that I'm not the academic. So I needed to find another way to be able to help people. So I don't even I do not know. You have a plethora of things to choose from, but what are you most proud of in your life? I think the most challenging question for me, because I I kind of just start being okay with myself, being proud of the things I've done in my life, because I always thought if I am proud of something I've done, then it's the moment I recognize that it's the moment when I stop progressing. For some reason, that's how my mind used to work all my life until recently I've changed. And I am honestly proud of so many things like being a mom, being a single mom and surviving here and and raising my son all by myself, uh, going to school from zero level and and getting to PhD within just a few years. Uh, But I think what I'm most proud of is that I think that I've come from Iraq, that I was born and raised there because back then when I was there, I had so many moments while living in Iraq that I just felt like, why was, why did I born in this country? Why I wasn't born in the States or in Europe or in Canada and lived normal life like other people without having to worry about so many things, without to be afraid of wars and without to have to escape from my country and move to another country and lose all my friends and some of my family and relatives. But when I moved here to Canada and I start meeting new people and then seeing things, how people here view things, and, and, and I think I just start appreciating and, and being thankful and, and that I was born and raised in Iraq and, and specifically in, the, in my town in Iraq that it's very diverse. We have so many groups from different eth- ethnical backgrounds and religious backgrounds. And I think that's what made me who I am today, that I had to experience different cultures, different languages, different holidays and religions and ritual and practices. And then that made me adapt so easily to new cultures. When I moved to Syria, Syrian culture is very different 
different than Iraqi culture. I was adapted to it easily. People wouldn't know I was Iraqi unless I spoke Iraqi with them or Iraqi Arabic version. When I moved to Lebanon, again, it's different. It's almost like here, the way the lifestyle in Lebanon is similar to Western lifestyle. I also adapted to it easily. I moved to Canada. I started being so much more open to people than I would say, because some immigrants, it's hard to some immigrants to be to get adapted to the Western way of life when they moved to Canada. For me, it was easier, I think, than many people because of my background, I think, and how I'm also mixed race in my household. And uh, I moved here. I started becoming more open-minded. I have more empathy to people because I experience war and safety issues. I advocate for social justice because of what I've seen in my life and experience. I think that's what I'm most proud of. That That's why I don't hide. Because many people, when they see me, uh, I have accent, obviously, so they would question me. Most people think I'm European because of how I look. And I never hide. I always say, no, actually, I'm Iraqi. I'm Middle Eastern. And I'm so proud of that. That's what I'm most proud of. My background made me who I am today. And yeah, I think that that is it. That is absolutely beautiful. Thank you. I love that that's what you're so proud of. Of all of the amazing things you've accomplished in your life, I think that and the idea of not shying away and embracing your Middle Eastern background. And, you know, the last question that I have, although honestly, I could sit, I could listen to you for a very long time talking about your experiences. I, I will say this, that I am reminded of, I think it was back in 2005-ish, I was having a conversation with a psychiatrist. I was, I was recruiting healthcare professionals to work on the military bases across the country. And I remember being with him, we, we went out for coffee, at a Tim Hortons in Canada, so one of the suburbs here. And I can remember him telling me that what is happening in Iraq at that point was going to have impact generationally on the children, you know, for generations, essentially. And I, I'm hearing that from you. Yeah, I, um, I think my experience in Iraq made me very sincere and sensitive, extremely sensitive person, emotional. So when I see disasters, wars in other countries, I just feel like I am hopeless. <laughs> I need to do something and I don't know what to do. I just cry, start crying. And what I did, what I've done in my studies, I try to write my essays about these neglecting, I, I would call neglecting countries or wars that we don't really highlight here in Canada or in the West, Western world. For example, the war between Azerbaijan and Armenia over Nagorno-Karabakh region. Um, mm -hmm. I try to highlight it. I try to highlight the civil war in Sri Lanka that I didn't know much about it prior to my research. So I think, yeah, I think war made me someone who really care about others and don't want anyone to experience war because it's really ugly and not pleasant at all. To lose, to have to quit your country, your house, your neighbors, your friends, your school, 
all the places that you had memories in, you can't see anymore. It's really something that I don't wish to anyone to experience. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. And, you know, I think about the war in Yemen, which again, I didn't know a lot of what was going on, but one of my friends is uh, from Yemen and she was telling me all about it. And I understand about that sense of helplessness and hopelessness, quite honestly. Yeah. So see, this is this again, we've got lots to discuss Yes, we have a lot to do to change the world. But do you personally have a motivational quote or words that you live by? Or do you just simply motivate other people by your story? Yeah, I think I have few. And I think when I talk about my life, I just talk naturally and people would just, I would get these feedbacks like you're saying, oh, you motivate me. I can't imagine you've been through. I should do more than, you know, which makes me happy to be honest, but I never thought my life was special before moving here and start hearing these feedbacks. But I think I would just go with one simple quote I like, which is like, nothing is impossible. The world, the world itself says I'm possible by Audrey, Audrey Hepburn. Yeah, Hepburn. Yes. Yeah, because, um, yeah, prior to coming here, I thought, yeah, many things were impossible for Mm -hmm. me. Once I moved here and, like I said, from zero level of English to PhD in a few years, I think uh, everything is uh, possible, sorry, not impossible. So I I like to be optimistic and think this way. Well, yes, yes. So what what does the quote say? Nothing is impossible. The world the world itself says I am possible. I'm possible. Mm-hmm. And thank you for that. And I'm also oh, reminded yeah. okay. of of a of a sermon that I was listening to today by a rabbi Cosgrove, who is the rabbi at Park Avenue Synagogue in Manhattan. He's a really great speaker, and he spoke today. It was um, over the Yom Kippur service. He spoke of essentially when you go through terrible times, you could either react in a negative way and be bitter and angry and all of those negative emotions, or you can react with empathy and love. And that's what you're bringing to the world. And we need more people like you. Nana, you are a very special, very inspiring, just very unique. And I know you're saying, oh, Tanya, come on, I'm not. Yeah, you are unique. Yes, that's what I'm saying. (laughs) I know, but you are, and you're here for a reason. And it's a gift. It is an absolute gift to Ontario. And why did you choose Windsor? Because your family was here? Yes. Yeah, but thank you. Thank you. I I really appreciate all your words. Very kind of you. Thank you. Yeah, I don't even know. I I, I feel like I've let the people down because I just, I'm so completely in awe of you and the story that you've told. And it, it needs to get out there. People need to hear. So thank you so much for sharing. Oh, yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for inviting me. And by the way, this was very simple, like a short part of my long, long story. But I just don't want people to get bored listening to all the details. Uh, oh, listen, yeah. we can 
you can come back another time, my friend. And, uh, you know, it's the playground, right? That's what we do. We, we talk, we chat, we connect. So yes. Yeah. I hope you had a good time. Oh yes. I really, really enjoyed it. I just felt like I'm talking to a very close friend and nobody's listening, just you and you and me. And yeah, it was really fun to talk to you today and meaningful, actually meaningful conversation with you. Because you're a very special person too. And I love your voice, by the way. I love listening to your podcast. Thank you so much. That means everything to me. So I'm just thrilled. I'm smiling. I've got that smile, you know, when you're just like giddy with joy. That That yeah. is how I feel right now. So thank you so That's much for great. being for being here on the playground with me and with, with us. And uh I look forward to the next time you're going to join us. I hope to. I'm looking forward to it too. Thank you so much, Tonya. And I hope people enjoy listening to this podcast. Thank you again. I can't thank Inanna enough for coming on to the playground and hanging out with us today. She shared her journey from fleeing her home country to finally making Canada her new home. I am thankful she is here. And I am so happy that she felt Canada was the place for her to raise her son in safety and stability. I usually recap the main points from the, from the career chat, but honestly, I can't do her story justice. She is truly an inspiration, and I channel my inner Inanna whenever I am too exhausted or feeling really low. I think, I think about everything she has accomplished in her life, even and especially through living in and escaping from not just one war-torn country. Our chat was intense and shed a light on the realities that millions of people are living through at this moment. So next time you hear the word refugee, think of living in insecurity and instability. Think of war. Think of trauma. Think of being forced to flee your home country, your house, your friends, and maybe even your family. Think of the fact that for many refugees, they don't choose Canada. They are just thankful to escape the dangers which could even lead to imprisonment or death. Inanna is articulate, determined, focused, and intelligent. I can't wait to see where her journey takes her. One thing is for sure. I am really glad she is here in Canada with us. Thank you so much, my dear. Speaking of inspiring, well, you know that's kind of a theme with my fabulous mystery guests. Please join me next week for another fantastic career chat. And until then, I invite you to follow me on Instagram at puddlejumpcoaching001. Remember to be good to yourself and to others. And until next week, when we will jump into the future together. (music) 